is going on in your life right now. There's some things that you're struggling with, some things that that seem out of your control, seem too big to handle. Let's just lift them up to God right now. Pastor Jennifer played the song, God will make a way. We've been learning over the last few months about how to trust God. Even in spite of what we see, even in spite of what we feel, I believe God's going to make a way for you. He's going to make a way for me, for our church. To break through whatever's going on. So let's just lift those things up to Him right now, Father. Lord, you know our needs more than, than we do. Lord, so many have been attacked. So many have been struggling, whether it's financially, physically, with work, whatever's going on, Lord, I pray right now that your hand will be upon each of us. Lord, that you would show us that you're with us, that you would lead and guide us. Lord, our feelings lie to us all the time, and and sometimes we get so overwhelmed that we can't see Where we're going, we can't understand how we'll get there, but Lord, we got to trust in you. Lord, help us to trust in you when we don't know what else to do. Help us to trust in you in everything. Lord, just let your Holy Spirit give us comfort and peace. Give us strength today. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I don't believe it's by mistake. I believe it's because you want to minister to their lives. I believe that it's because you've called them to be here today. And Lord, whatever is going on, Lord, if it's a place of praise, Lord, I pray that they would worship you fully. Lord, if it's a place of hurting and struggle, I pray that you would meet that need today. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit and your presence. Let your power work in us to change us, work through us to change others. Lord, give us your grace and mercy today, Lord. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, I'm going to lift up a couple needs today. A couple of them are pretty big. Some of you guys know that 
as a denomination, our church is a part of the Assemblies of God, and it's not something you see on everything, but we're, we're really proud of that heritage. But there's a pastor, uh, well, there's a church down in Griffin, Georgia, um, Griffin First Assembly uh, down there, uh, one of the largest churches in the state of Georgia. Um, their pastor, Randy, pastor Randy Valamont, uh, went home to be with the Lord from complications of a surgery this past week. Um, this is a church, and, and there's been a lot of pastors throughout the state of Georgia that have been kind of commenting, and his reach has been on a national level as well. So that church is really hurting this weekend. Um, he had had surgery this past week, and uh, it seemed like everything was going well, but there were some complications afterwards. And so we want to lift up uh, his family. Uh, he's 59 years old, one of the biggest champions for missions that I know. Uh, in the legacy of his life, at just at a Griffin, they raised over $23 million for missions, which is pretty huge, pretty big deal. And, and so I know that his impact will continue to go on, but we want to lift up that family. I want to lift them up to today. Um, I also want to lift up um, the persecuted church around the world. Um, you can search and find out that in Syria and other places around the world, Christians are being persecuted every day. We talked about it in our small group this morning. We're going to deal a little bit with it uh, a little bit later today in the message. Scripture is very clear that the church would be persecuted. In America, we don't see it quite the same way, but around the world, people are losing their lives for following Christ, and we want to lift them up and strengthen them and ask the Father to just touch them today, to give them a time of peace. We also want to lift up our, our partners this month. Jeff and Eileen Stout are our missionaries. They, uh, they're in the Penn, Florida district, are down in Florida, and, and basically what they do is they raise up and plant and train youth pastors um, all over Florida and really anywhere that they get an opportunity to. They did it all over Europe for several years when we supported them in international missions. Now they're doing it in Florida and raising up youth pastors. Uh, we want to pray for Bounce U. Some of you have been around long enough to know we used to meet at Bounce U for a long time, and we want to pray for them today as our community partners. We also want to lift up Mount Zion AME. Uh, you go on Cherokee Street, the Purple Roof Church. We want to lift them up today. And so let's, uh, let's pray over these needs as well. Father, I thank you that you love us and care for us. Lord, I thank you that you meet our needs. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would touch those that are struggling, that are persecuted. Lord, I pray that Christians everywhere would be held firm because of you, held firm because of your word. Lord, you tell us that we should expect persecution. You tell us that we carry and bear the same things that you did and you were, and you were beaten and crucified. Lord, it should not be a surprise that Christians suffer. But Lord, you are the victor of all those things. Lord, you care for us and you lift us up. And Lord, we pray right now for those that are being persecuted around the world for following you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, 
that, Father, that their lives, those that are being martyred, that their lives would not be in vain, that many people would come to know you because of that. Lord, we know that this life is not all there, are, there is. And Lord, we know that there is glory beyond this. And I pray right now that you would encourage those that are struggling. I pray that you encourage those that are struggling here today. Lord, I lift up Jeff and Eileen Stout. They're good friends. Lord, I pray that you would meet their needs. I pray that you would give them favor. Lord, as they try to impact teenagers all across the state of Georgia and wherever they get the opportunity to, or in Florida and wherever they get the opportunity to, Lord, I pray right now that you would touch them. Lord, I lift up bounce you. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless them. I pray that you continue to lift them up. Lord, I pray for the Rice family and I ask that you would touch them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I lift up Mount Zion AME. Lord, I pray that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit today. I ask that you would touch them that you would, Lord, give them your favor and your anointing, that the word that's preached there today would touch lives. Lord, I lift up Mary to you today. Lord, I promise that we would pray for her every service. Lord, I ask right now that you continue to heal her, that you continue to touch her, that you would, uh, Lord, just rebuild her lungs, give her strength today. Lord, we rebuke affection and all the infection and all those things that go into her. Lord, I pray that you'd help her immune system and that you'd help her to fight those things off. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we, uh, before we get into everything today, I don't know if... Uh, did you mention about the news? I just wanted to uh, take a quick minute uh, just to give everybody a little bit of a heads up. You know, we've been serving at Spear Creek for a while with Forever Fed, and we are going to be moving that outreach off the campus at Forever Fed to, or did I, what did I say? Yeah, Spear Creek with Forever Fed. Thank you. I'll say it right eventually. Um, we're going to be moving that outreach to this location. So we'll be holding that the fourth Sunday like we always do. But we're going to be holding it here at um, the desktop facility. Uh, the owners here at desktop have been gracious enough to allow us to do that, which will be awesome because we can expand our reach beyond just Superior Creek. We can go to other places. Um, and last, uh, last week, we served, what, 69 families. 37 of those families were Superior Creek residents. The rest were outside. So I think it's going to allow us to do more. We're also talking with Forever Fed about getting their clothing truck here. But here's the caveat to that. Here's what happens. The only way we can do the clothing truck, this is why I'm bringing this up now, the clothing truck is available on that Sunday. But two things have to happen. One, we need volunteers to go out and make sure that the clothing truck is loaded because it's used on Saturdays. The people that run that ministry will not have time to load it, which means we have to go out to Woodstock and make sure that it's loaded. Sometimes it'll have stuff there. Number two, I need somebody to be willing to drive that truck. So it'd have to be one person that would be at every event that would drive that truck. Then we would have about a half a dozen volunteers that would do that. The thing that's nice, we used to do it at Budgetel, and uh, 
when we had that, the people that run that part of the ministry were able to come and bring it over. And there was a time when we when they had the trailer and we used to just go take our Tahoe out there and pull the trailer over. Now they got the truck. So it's a whole different ball game in that. But it can be a great resource for those that are struggling with clothing, especially in the winter time. So we would like to be able to do that, but we need some things to happen to be able to do that. So we need volunteers that are going to step up and, and step into that. So just be in prayer about that, that God will raise up the right person, put that burden on their hearts to be able to drive that truck, and a couple people to be able to go out and help make sure that the right clothes get on there so that we can run those events. So that's why I wanted to put that out there today. So be in prayer because we have much more space to do the outreach here, which gives us a lot of ability to do more than what we've been doing. So I believe God's going to do that. So I'm going to move into um, our message series for today. Uh, it's going to be over the next month. We're going to be for the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about when pigs fly. Isn't that sound very scriptural? Very, uh, very biblical when pigs fly. Um, here's the thing. Have you ever heard the phrase, when pigs fly? Everybody's heard that phrase, right? It's a sarcastic phrase that kind of means like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. You could say it after I said that I am going to win the election, become president, this next presidency, right? When pigs fly, you know that. That Alan's going to come up and start leading us in song, right? There, when, you know, you could put a, you could put a, the Falcons will win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> when elephants fly. What's going on, man? The Falcons this year, it's hard. It's our Georgia's redeeming, you know, uh, football for Georgia, you know, for the state of Georgia. The University of Georgia did well, beat Florida. Uh, if you know, we lived in Florida for several years, and I never could root for any Florida team, so if there's any Gator fans here, I'm sorry. Um, truly a Michigan fan at the core, but uh, I love it. But you get the idea. It's something that's unlikely to happen. Uh, I don't know if you have any Princess Bride fans here. You know, the movie Princess Bride, kind of a, kind of a cult classic, and, and it seems to be a lot of Christians like to quote this movie. But Billy Crystal is the miracle man in there, and, and they come in, and the guy's almost dead, and he goes through this whole thing. And when he's leaving, his wife leans over to him and says, you know, do you think they can do it? And he says it would take a miracle. I'm not going to do the voice that Billy Crystal does. I don't do impressions well. But that's what I thought of when this, we're going to talk about miracles. We're going to talk about things that, uh, that are beyond our capability. And the word miracle in our culture has kind of lost some power. It's kind of like love. The word love has lost power in our culture too. We've taken it and watered it down and, and we've made it into something flippant. And, and for many of us, we don't even think that God can perform miracles anymore. We knew we read scripture and we see that God performed all these miracles, but we don't think that they apply to today. We think that they were what happened before. And so miracles have kind of lost some of their power. And over the next um, four weeks, we're going to talk about Miracles. Next week, we're going to talk about miracles of healing. We've talked about miracles of healing before, but we're going to focus specifically on that next week. I believe that God heals. I believe that God can supernaturally intervene. Then we're going to talk about, there's four basic categories. The week after that, we're going to talk about miracles of protection. That God supernaturally protects his followers. And then we're going to talk about 
miracles of provision in the last week, which is where some of us are going, yes, please, God, please provide. A miracle is something that is beyond what we can understand. Miracles are when God in heaven intervenes on earth, which leads us to today, which is one that is probably today, what we're going to talk about today is that in that kind of darker side, spookier side of Christianity that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And, and, and so there's a lot of, a lot of people avoid it. And that's going to be miracles of deliverance. And this is when God does a miracle over the forces of evil. One of the most powerful tricks that Satan has ever done is convince the world that he doesn't exist. You've, it's been this way throughout history that, the, that people have come to a place because they can't wrap their heads around it, they don't want to believe in it, and so they, they discount who Satan is, and they say that Satan can't exist. That that's just, you know, that, that he's not there. But see, without Satan, well, you just got to understand. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm gonna, before I get ahead of myself here, Ephesians chapter 6. This is going to be kind of the basis of today's message. We talked a little bit about this passage of Scripture this morning in small group. Encourage you, man, 9 a.m., we're really dealing with uh, some, some great doctrine of the church in, in, in our small groups. And, and we talked about today why believers you know, suffer, those kind of things. And, and it, a lot of it comes out of this. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, one of my favorite verses. For we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, the dark, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. There is an unseen reality. We live, there is a world that exists outside of what we physically see, the spiritual world. That's where God exists. It's also where the enemy exists. There is a battle growing, going on in this unseen world. And we discount it. And we, we, we kind of push it aside. There's a battle that goes on, a spiritual battle. And so we, we often don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable or we don't talk about it because it may seem weird or freaky or spooky. And, and, and let's face it, we don't, we don't want to look as Christians like we're some weird, whacked out people that you know look at everything and go, ooh. But yet our culture is fascinated with the supernatural. We have movie upon movie upon movie upon movie that deal with demonic forces, with evil forces. We just came out of, you know, the, the Halloween season. And so everywhere you turn, there are all kinds of movies that are based on those type of things. We're fascinated with that area of life. We just get a little weirded out when it touches us a little bit personally. So what is a demon? Many believe that demons are spirits of the dead, which is kind of funny, like, you know, your grumpy uncle that came back to life to haunt you or something like that. People get confused. It's kind of like they think, oh, we die and become angels, and they have all, you, know, you could even go back to thank Warner Brothers for their cartoons with, 
you know, the angel floating up with wings, strumming a harp and things like that. We get these false images and a lot of people think, oh, that's what it is, but that's not it at all. You see it in Isaiah, you see it in Ezekiel. Satan or the devil tried to raise himself up. In Isaiah 14, it says that he wanted to become like God. He wanted to become God. And so God cast him out of heaven. And when he did, and we find out in Revelation that when he did, he took a third of the angels with him. That third of those angels are what we know as demons. So you have God and angels are to God what demons are to the devil. See, the cool thing about this is, is that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Satan is none of those things. Satan is not everywhere. He's not all-powerful. And he doesn't know everything. He has demons that go and do his work. There are powers and principalities that come against us in those things. But I wanted you to have a clear understanding of what demons are. And so you've got notes on your table. And so with these miracles of deliverance, it's that God's miracles over the evil forces of this world. And so I want to give you a couple more things. Two big mistakes that we make with demons. Here's what they are. One, we overemphasize demonic influence. We overemphasize the demonic influence. Man, I can't say that for a second. And what do I mean by that? Oh, the devil made me do it. You know, people get that little button and they say, well, the devil made me do it. You know, when you ate all of the cake that was sitting there, well, the devil made me do it. Well, why did you steal that? Well, the devil made me do it. Why did you punch your sister in the nose? Well, the devil made me do it. We give the devil more authority than he has. Man, I've heard some crazy things. There's some, man, when I was uh, back in Bible college uh, a couple years ago, it's been, a, it's been one or two, I think it's been about 20, I graduated 25 years ago almost now, so it's been a little bit. But there was... Um, there were some weird teachings about de- uh, demons going around, like people like demons were behind every bush, under every rock, and that, you know, just catch, get your bag and catch the demons in the bag. There meant some whacked out things. There is nothing in Scripture about demons being under everything. We give demons too much power sometimes. But on the flip side of that coin is... Sometimes we underemphasize the demonic influence. Just like we overemphasize it, we underemphasize it. We're good at that as people, aren't we? Man, when something over here goes this way and we don't like it, we correct it. But man, we correct it way over here. We, we have a hard time finding the balance, don't we? We like to swing up this way and then swing down that way. We underemphasize the demonic influence. So, you know, not every problem is demonic, but there are more problems that are demonic than we realize. For about two or three months now with our church, 
why I think this message series is so timely. For about two or three months with our church, I've noticed that there have been more and more what I think are demonic attacks against our people and against our church. Scripture is very clear that as we grow closer to God, the enemy is going to try and stop us. And there have been things, now not everything is that, but Satan will do some things to kind of try and trip this up. So we're going to talk about what demons do. Because really, Satan's not everywhere. We talked about him not being omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He doesn't know everything. And he doesn't have all power. So that means that he has forces, a third of the angels of heaven. We don't know how many that is. We know there are a lot of angels that have been released on this earth to trip us up. They understand what needs to be done. So the number one thing under what demons do is they tempt you to sin. They tempt you to sin. So 2 Timothy 2.26 Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive to him to do whatever he or by him to do whatever he wants. Satan wants to trip us up. He wants to cause us to stumble. He wants to cause us to sin. Now, can the demons force us to do anything? No. But they are there to whisper things to us in the spiritual world, to tempt us with things, to say, you know what? Everybody's doing it. You'll be fine. Man, just experiment with it. You're young. Just, you know, why don't you smoke it? Why don't you drink it? Whatever that may be, just it'll be fine. And so in the beginning, demons will minimize the effects of sin. They'll play it off. They'll make it sound like it's no big deal. Like it's, hey, so a big thing a few years ago, you don't hear so much about it anymore, but was, hey, you know what? Just hook up with whoever you want. You know what? There's no consequences. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's between you and that person. Just move on. But what you find out is, and what they do is on the backside. So Satan or the demons minimize the effects of sin before you do it. But on the backside, when you fall into sin, They're there to maximize the guilt and shame of sin on the backside. They minimize it on the front to make it sound like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. You know, when it comes to sin, how good are we at justifying sin? How good are we at, you know, that person's wealthy, they've got a lot of stuff, they're not going to miss it, you know. If I just uh, take a few dollars from the cash register or, you know, I'm really hurting right now, they should pay me more anyway. We can justify all those things and, and we minimize the effects. Satan will tell us, oh, it's no big deal. But then he'll maximize the guilt, the shame. We feel the consequences. You're worthless. You don't deserve it. You're broken. How could God ever love you after you've done that? See, if the demons can get us to fall and to stumble, even as believers, they can try and use those things to tear away our witness. To sit there and to talk to other people and say, look, they're just like you are. They're, just, they're worthless. They can't even follow God. 
That's why God called us to righteousness. He called us to live a life that is set apart. And yes, we stumble and we fall. The difference is, is we recognize that we stumble and fall and we repent of those sins and we give them to God. We don't have to live under that condemnation and shame. So the first thing is demons are there to tempt you. The second thing is demons distract you from the will of God. They're there to distract you from the will of God. And I think this is one of the most powerful things that he does with the church. Most of us know how to avoid most sins. Sometimes I'm not saying we're sin-free anymore, but we, but we really strive to be. We really strive to be sin-free. But see, I think one of the most effective tools that the enemy has is to distract us from what God wants to do in our lives or what he wants us to do. 1 Timothy 1.4, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. They will distract us and get us off course, get us arguing about things that don't matter. They'll get us caught up in other things so that we don't follow what God has. Some of the Biggest distractions in churches is arguing over things that have no purpose or matter. I've seen church splits happen because somebody didn't like the fact that they took the pews out and put chairs in. Things that in light of eternity really have no bearing. Satan will use those things to distract us, to get us off course, to help us to miss what God's trying to do. He'll speak things into us like we don't need church. Just make your own path. He'll have people come in and speak false doctrines from the church. And, and Satan will weasel them into places in the church. And we have to be very careful. That's why it's important that we know Scripture so that we know what God says. And if you're ever sitting in our church or another church, but specifically in our church, and you hear a teaching or see something that you don't quite understand or you don't think lines up with Scripture, please come to me. Go to Pastor Jennifer. Say, look, this doesn't make sense to me. It might be something that we missed or misquoted. And we might have to say, whoa, wait a minute. Or there might be somebody that's come in that is intentionally trying to distract and disrupt the church. I don't have it in here, but we looked at it this morning that Satan or that Jesus said that Satan will send people in, send wolves in in sheep's clothing. They'll look like Christians, but they won't be Christians. And he'll send them in to distract and disrupt the church. So we have demons tempt you to sin, demons distract you from the will of God, demons inflict suffering. Demons inflict suffering. Matthew 17, we're going to look at verses 15 and 17 through 18. The story is there. I always encourage you to go back and read the stories in context. We don't have enough time to read all of the story, but it says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's having seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into water. And Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. 
Now, I'll give you a little background to that scripture. There was a man that his son was having seizures, but beyond the seizures, because seizures are not necessarily demonic, but the, the, the demon that was inside that child would try to kill him, would throw him and try and drown him in the water, would throw him in the fire. He did not have control over his body at that time. That's demon possession. We, it's really confusing, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. So when Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, he's actually talking to his disciples like, look, you guys aren't getting this. You guys aren't getting this. And then he brought the boy over and Jesus rebuked the demon and left the boy. And from that moment, the boy was well. I'm going to tell you, Christians and people have misquoted the scripture and used this scripture to kind of say that all seizures and all mental illness and everything like that is demonic and that's not true so there's a difference between demon possession and demon oppression so sometimes there are physical things in our body because maybe we have neurological things going on or maybe we have chemical things going on that cause seizures that cause those things to happen that cause people to struggle with mental illness you've seen a lot over the last couple months about Helping people that struggle with mental illness. Not all of those things are demonic. But demons will help kind of push things along. And there are some people that are demon-possessed. I've seen demon-possessed people. It's not been often. How do you know the difference? Let me tell you, the closer you get to God and with the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you know when somebody's demon-possessed through discernment of the Holy Spirit. Remember those gifts of the Spirit we talked about a while ago? God will give you discernment. You will know it's a scary thing. I've seen it. But not everybody that I encounter is demon-possessed. The person that cut you off in traffic is probably not demon-possessed. The person on the other end of that sales call that you want to yell at is probably not demon-possessed. We get confused. Remember I said we over-emphasize demonic activity, and sometimes we under-emphasize it, but there is that balance. It does exist. Remember, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but things of this unseen world. But I also believe that there's demon oppression. And what that means is that oftentimes... And people get demon-possessed because they've opened up their lives to things that are demonic. And I can't really tell you all those steps, and I don't think it happens just overnight. But demon oppression is when there is demonic activity that's speaking into the lives of that person that just holds them down and oppresses them and tells them things like, man, you're worthless, man, you're not. And they'll just speak all those things that are exactly the opposite of who we are in God. And I think that happens. Demons want to inflict suffering. You know, anytime you've been told over and over again that you're worthless and over and over again how terrible you are, even if it's that demonic influence, that will lead you to thoughts, sometimes suicidal thoughts, sometimes just a myriad of things. And I think there is demonic activity that can work in those areas. Again, remember, 
We don't want to swing too far this way and say everything and put everything in one box. And we also don't want to discount the power of demonic influence in our lives. John 10.10, one of my favorite scriptures, is talking about Satan. It says, the thief comes to only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus, Jesus the one speaking this, says, I came that they may have life and to have it abundantly. See, Satan's purpose is to trip you up. We talked about he's going to tempt you. He's going to do things to get you off track from the will of God. He's going to tell you lies. They're going to cause you suffering and pain. They're going to hurt you. He's the father of lies. How can God love you? You're such a failure. Man, look at all the sin that you did. How can God love you? Those are lies from Satan, from his minions. That's why it's so important to know who we are in Him. To know who we are in Christ. That we are His chosen people. That we are His sons and daughters. That when we come under the blood and accept Jesus as our Savior, and we wash our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, the One that has conquered all sin and death, we have freedom to know that we are co-heirs with Christ. That we are His children. We don't have to believe the lies. The demons are going to come and distract us. The demons are going to come and try and wipe us out. See, I'd be admiss if we just left it there. This wasn't here to give you a, a, a story or teaching on demons. It was, remember, this is a message on miracles of deliverance. And so what that means is, is that God wants to deliver you from the powers that Satan has. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. So, if you are a Christian, this applies to you. If you are a Christian, this applies to you. It says, you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. This is what I want you to get. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. We're not fighting with our power. We're fighting with the power of Jesus, right? We have authority. Now, Matthew 10, 1 says this, Jesus called His 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. The authority is what I want you to get. Uh, some of you guys maybe have heard of Pastor Craig Rochelle. He's out in Oklahoma, Pastor's Life Church, the ones that created the Version Bible app that came out of their church. Um, actually stole the illustrations for When Pigs Fly. They actually have a resource center. I stole it from them. But here's the thing. He says this. He talks about authority this way, and I love this illustration of authority. Have you ever seen a police officer walk out into traffic and put his hand up to stop traffic? Yeah? 
you know, he'll go out there because police officers have a responsibility to keep somebody safe. Maybe there was an accident. Maybe there's something going on. And this big semi truck is coming and he wants that truck to stop because it's not safe. He puts up his hand like this. And what happens? The truck stops, right? Now, does he physically have the power to stop that truck? No. But what does he have? Authority. There's a difference between power and authority. Because of his authority, he has the power to stop that truck. Physically, he does not. It's kind of the same way. We have the power of Jesus flowing through us because he's given us the authority over the things of Satan. Does that make sense? We have been given authority as believers in Christ, as followers in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that in John or in Matthew 10.1, to his disciples together, he has given us authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. He's given us authority over those things. They don't have authority over us. That's why I say, you know, demonic oppression speaks those things into us, but we have the authority to overcome those things and to tell them to leave. I just love that illustration. It's kind of like the other side of that I thought of. He used the illustration of an officer, but you got a bus. There's a stop sign on that arm that comes out on that bus. That stop sign gives that bus authority to have traffic stop so the children can be safe. It doesn't have the power to stop anything, but it has the authority. We have been given the authority over the demons and darkness of this world. That should be exciting to you. We get creeped out about these things. We don't understand these things. But when we feel that presence coming upon us, when we hear the lies of the enemy, we can tell those things, Satan, you have no power in my life. Get away from me in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. We sing songs about it. There's scriptures written about it. There's power and authority that's been given to us as believers. Now, again, this is as believers. If you are not a believer, no power. As believers, you have power and authority over those things. God is a miraculous God who gives you authority over darkness. All of us have power that is greater than Satan himself. All of us have been given that power. All of us have the power and authority of Christ. All right, so I just want to give you a quick reminder. We're to not assume that everything in our life is demonic, right? But we're also not to assume that it isn't. So I want to give you a little practical thing here. Let me give you some examples of how we deal with some issues. I think there is a natural side in the way that we deal with things and a spiritual side in the way we deal with things. So say you're battling with anxiety. Maybe, you know, still make that appointment and go to the doctor, but also pray in the name of Jesus that he will heal you. There is a both and. If you're struggling emotionally, Get counseling, get help, but also pray 
that God will deliver you from that. Maybe there are demonic forces. You have the power and authority over those things. It's a both and. If your child's rebelling, take the phone away. (laughs) Monitor friends. Pray for spiritual protection. See, sometimes we swing that pendulum so far that we don't use the tools that God's given us in our natural lives to be able to deal with some of these things. God gave us doctors. God gave us tools. He taught us how to parent. He showed us these things. But on the other side of that, we should always be praying for God to supernaturally work in any of those circumstances. If you've got a loved one that's battling with alcohol addiction, Get them into a program like Teen Challenge, Alcoholics Anonymous, things like that, but also pray that God will give them a spiritual victory over those things because it's a both and. When Jesus rose from the dead, He defeated darkness and the power of the enemy. That's something awesome because He lives within us. We carry the name of Christ. So yeah, when we're sick, yes, we can go to a doctor, but we can also pray that God will give us supernatural healing. People have been healed of cancer. People have been healed of those things, and it's, been, it's come both through medicine and through the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Mark Batterson likes to call all ologies a part of theology. So he likes to study different sciences and things like that and to look at how God's creation works through all of those things. So God will use both physical things on this earth and doctors and medicine and things like that and counselors. Those are good things. But we also need to recognize that sometimes there is a force that is not flesh and blood that's in our lives that we need to pray that the power of Jesus would remove from our lives. Does that make sense? The deliverance of demonic forces. John 1.5 says the light shines in darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. When it's talking about that, that darkness is not black, it's the absence of the presence of God. That light is the light of Christ in this world. It's the illustration that God used to show us that a light extinguishes darkness. Pushes it away. Problem is, sometimes we don't like that light because it exposes as well, it exposes sin and all that kind of stuff in our lives, but we're covered by the blood of Jesus. When we are His followers, when we have given our sins over to Him, we are covered. So when the power of darkness comes against you, you've been given authority in the name of Jesus to tell it to leave, to tell it to get away from you, to leave you alone. you to say to yourself or say it out loud if you want, just to say, I take authority over this darkness 
in the name of Jesus. That's a prayer that we can pray. I take authority over this darkness in the name of Jesus. When thoughts come into your life that you know are not of Him, that are trying to tear you down and demean who you are, that tell you you are less than who you are, who you know you are in Christ, you can say, I take authority over this darkness in the name of Jesus. When you're struggling and hurting, get the appropriate help, but pray and pray and pray that God will give you what you need, that you can take authority over those things. Again, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I encourage you to keep on reading in that section of Scripture because then Paul goes on to tell us the tools of how we defend ourselves against the attacks of evil forces. It tells us the armor of God, the belt of truth, the helmet of our salvation. God did not leave us here to be defenseless little pawns and a part of some cosmic game. He created us the most beloved of His creation. Because He wanted us to live abundantly. He wanted us to have joy. He wanted us to be in communion and relationship with Him. He created us to have relationship with Him. Satan, who wanted to be God, took a third of heaven with Him and is doing everything in His power to distract, to corrupt, and to destroy God's creation which is us. So I know it may not be a popular message, but it's one that we need to know. That there is a demonic influence in this world that wants to take you out. That wants to tell you that you are less than who you are. As a believer and follower in Christ, you have authority over that. So as we pray today, I want you to pray with the authority of Jesus in your life. And if you don't have him in your life, I'd encourage you to get Jesus in your life. To ask him to come in and to forgive you of his sins, to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can have the power and authority that comes only through Him. Let's pray today. Father, come before You. 
Lord, sometimes it's hard for us to understand what happens in the world around us, that the things that we can't see, the demonic forces that are out there. Lord, sometimes we get distracted from what you've called us to, and sometimes we miss we miss what you're telling us to do because the enemy's trying to trip us up and distract us and to tell us we're worthless. But in the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no power over this church. You have no power over anyone in this church. Lord, I pray right now that you would deliver us from the attacks that the enemy has been trying to do to distract us, to keep us from doing and completing what you've called us to do. Lord, I believe that you placed us here to reach the lost and hurting in Kennesaw and Ackworth, Marietta, wherever you give us influence. And the enemy is trying to disrupt us and to take us out. We rebuke you, Satan. You have no power here. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would remind us that you are that we are your children, that we have your spirit living inside of us. Lord, remind us who we are in you today. Lord, we praise you and thank you for who you are. Lord, we worship you and thank you that we have food to eat, that we have places to live, that, Lord, you've given us a place to worship freely in a country that allows us to worship freely. Unlike our brothers and sisters in Muslim countries that are being killed because they follow you. Lord, we praise you no matter what comes against us because we know that you have authority over all things. We know that we may suffer temporarily in this life, but ultimately you will give us victory. Ultimately you will rescue us. Ultimately you have given us power and authority over this dark world. Lord, let us never forget who we are. We are your children. Lord, I pray right now for those that are struggling with doubt, anxiety, fear. We rebuke those things in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you give us joy and peace today. Help us to trust you more than we ever have. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. My prayer for you, my prayer for us, is that we truly know who we are and that we understand these things for what they are. That we don't get lost in the spooky, weird things but that we understand that we have authority over the spirits and principalities of this world to tell them to flee from us. One final thing today, as always, uh, as Pastor Jennifer mentioned before, just the contact card, just to let us know you were here. If you have prayer needs and we do read those, drop it in there. 
with your offerings. I want to encourage you in your giving. The tithe is the, the portion of our finances that when we get paid, that, that we give back to God the first fruits. Offerings are what go above and beyond that. I want to challenge you. Maybe you've not been, maybe you haven't even tithed. Maybe you haven't even given in that way. I want to encourage you, even if it's a dollar, five dollars, build into your life the habit of giving. God's blessings flow through that giving. We give out of joy. It's a part of our worship. We don't give to be blessed and blessing. It says we will be blessed when we give. But that blessing may not be financial. It might be a bunch of different things. But God's blessing will be upon us when we give. I'm going to pray over our offering today. This will be our dismissal. Thank you again for being here. Pick up the newsletter. Find out what's going on. Put it somewhere. Put it on your refrigerator because I know you go there dozens of times every day. You can read it. Father, I thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I thank you for providing for us and I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to give. Lord, I pray that you would take the offering today, that you would use it for your glory, for your will, Lord, that you would meet every need of this church, that it would go beyond our needs and meet and touch this community. Lord, I pray that you would bless those as they give. Lord, I pray that they give out of the joy of their hearts as worship unto you. And we thank you for these things. Go before us today. Keep us in your hands, we ask. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.